Welcome to Grow With Soul, a simple marketing podcast by me, Kate Ferris, a creative business and marketing coach living in the mountains in North Wales. Grow With Soul is for creatives who either have their own business or who dream of having their own business and who want to grow slowly, sustainably and soulfully in their work and in their life. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to episode 89 of Grow With Soul. Today I'm talking with Kate Flanders, the author of The Year of Less and her new book Adventures in Opting Out. I wanted to get Kate on the show because she really represents a way of doing things differently and writes around taking aligned control of your life, I would say. And I thought, it would be just really interesting to hear something that was different to the usual. Today we talk about all sorts of things, like taking non-perfect steps into self-employment, the realities of being a self-employed author, including money, opting out of marketing, and how to make friends who get it. So let's dive in. Hi Kate! Hello! Oh, it just sounds so weird saying, hi, Kate, when I am Kate. <laughs> yeah, hi, Kate. Hi, Kate. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you for coming along in the Canadian morning. Mm, yes. <laughs> uh, is it, what kind of Canadian morning are you in at the moment? Okay, it is very dreary. Oh, um, that's disappointing. But you know <laughs> Well, you know what? Okay, so first of all, I will say that where I'm from, which is um, Victoria, British Columbia, Canada, it is like the weather is almost exactly the same as what you experience in the UK. So our our summers are not very hot that, you know, we might have a few odd hot weeks, but that's it. It rains a lot in the fall, winter and spring. We (laughs) don't really get much snow. So it's very similar. So okay. I would just say it's a very typical fall, yeah, West Coast and probably British day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we will come on, I'm sure, to how you are so acquainted with the British weather. Um, <laughs> but what I want to start off with is for anybody who isn't familiar with you or perhaps is, but has maybe forgot some stuff, um, if you could kind of share your potted history of yourself but I know that's quite broad so perhaps as well just kind of as it relates to your work and what's kind of your big milestones and how you've got to where you are now yeah no I think the work stuff is easy because I think it all wraps up into life anyways but where I'm from I'm from a government town it is the kind of place where you know, you are raised and told that the best thing you could do is get a job with the government and then you will have a pension and you will be set for life. And I did that when I was 22. And it was that kind of experience where all my friends weren't in the government yet. And so we're very, not jealous, but like, oh my gosh, you did it. Like, <laughs> you did it first. Yeah. How do we do it? Like, help <laughs> us get in. Yeah. And um, I worked for the government for five years and actually worked in a neat spot. Like I worked for the Ministry of Education. My whole job was essentially doing the layout of print and online courses. So that's like an interesting side bit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And but I was never that satisfied. I found like the first year or two were kind of interesting. And then I just like I really needed a change. I felt like I'd kind of outgrown the position. Um, Fortunately, on the side or kind of oddly on the side of things, I had started a blog. I used to write anonymously because I was maxed out with a lot of consumer debt. Mm -hmm. Um, I had about $30,000 Canadian of consumer debt and was completely maxed out. Like I had nothing to my name. And so I had started this blog where I was just documenting getting out of debt and what, like how I was doing it, what my life looked like, um, how I was feeling. And, and the more I wrote that, like the more I seemed to get a bit of an audience. Um, All anonymously at this point. Anonymously at first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I eventually, it was almost two years or a year and a half, maybe into it. I added my name to it and told my family. Family felt like a big one, mostly to reveal that I had all this debt. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, yeah. Really scary to say that. Um, But I added my name to it. And then within like three or four months, uh, I was actually 
contacted by a financial startup that was based in Toronto. So that's all the way across the country here. And they asked if I was interested in working with them. And it took a bit, like we had a few conversations, um, but within a couple of months, I quit my job with the government and I moved to Toronto and worked uh, as their managing editor for three years. Mm. And uh, yeah, so I stayed with them for three years. And in that time, I picked up a lot of um, freelance on the side. And I was also working on like a kind of a curation site in the personal finance space and eventually got to this place where I was making enough money that I was just about like matching my income. And I, through some other things, I ended up saving a bunch of money uh, one year and at the end of the year decided to quit my job and work (laughs) for myself and really had this, like a lot of question marks around it, but I had sort of told myself, you know, I have enough money and work lined up that I can do this for at least six months. And if it's only six months, I think it will be worth it. Mm. And so kind of took the leap then. And now it's been... Uh, just over five years and I'm still self-employed. It looks very different now than it did at the beginning. And we can talk about that, but Mm. I've over the past five years um, ended up getting one book deal for a book that came out in 2018 and then another book deal last year for a book that came out this year. And yeah, it's just very different. So whereas before, like when I started working for myself, I was 100% freelance and all my money was coming, like all of my income was client work. Now it is 100% from books, which is very unusual and Mm. very something I sort of constantly sit with as like, I have no idea how long this will be true for me. <laughs> like maybe 2019 will, or 2020 will be the last year that that is true, that it's 100% of my income, but it has been for the past two years so far. And that's, it's very different and unique and I'm just enjoying it for whatever it is right now. Mm, that's so interesting. I want to take a step back to when mm. you quit the job in Toronto because the way you make it sound is kind of like, well, I'm doing this stuff on the side. I might as well just make that my full-time thing. But so how did you start to want to be self-employed rather than, because obviously it doesn't just happen. Um, No. So what, yeah, what was going on kind of emotionally with that? So that was in 2015 and it started, um, actually to be very clear, it started in January of 2015 when things kind of shifted in the company that I was working for. And I recognized that the work we were doing was starting to really feel like it was out of alignment for me. Like it just did not line up with who I was or what I would want my name attached to. And like to the point that I wouldn't even put my name on half the articles that we were publishing. Okay. That's a pretty big red flag. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, there, there, it wasn't like they were the worst things, but you're like, I know even if there's only 10 people in the world who would read this and think, well, that, that article is like mostly correct, but I know you did this like for affiliate income or like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, nope, that does not work for me. Like that totally works for some sites and how people make money. And it just does not work for me. Like doing things just for affiliate income, it, that does not fly. So yeah, I felt very out of alignment. It just also had sort of general feelings again about like, I wasn't growing. I wasn't getting to do the kind of work I wanted to do. I was just sort of writing a lot of content for SEO. um, So just for search, so people would find it and again, get that affiliate income. And it just, yeah, none of it Mm. felt good. And so I was really unhappy in those last few months or like, let's say January, February, March. And then I remember having this conversation with a friend of mine. She had been freelance years before, and then she had taken a job probably for about three years, but she was really unhappy. And she started talking about how she was thinking of going back to freelance. And I, it like was the first seed that was planted. And I just mm. kind of thought like, is that a thing that I can, could I do that? <laughs> like, I don't know. Is that even possible? And then I just it sort of started again, it was like planting seeds and just bringing it up with people and, and also paying attention to a lot of friends of mine in the blogging space at that point who were starting to either make the blog their full-time gig or um, the blog was helping them get different jobs. And so I just started to see like, oh, there is a way out of it. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but there is a way out of this. And for a bit there, I definitely took on extra work, like extra freelance, extra projects. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so I was working a lot there. I think there's always, or there can be periods like that leading up to a transition where you're working a lot to be able to feel comfortable to take the leap. Mm. But I was yeah, working a lot just so that I could make the same amount or almost the same amount as my regular salary. And I'm trying to think if there was one, I do remember it was probably two months before I quit a company that I had used to work for reached out to me and asked if I could take on like a sizable chunk of work that would probably be about six to eight months worth of work. And it just then became this opportunity of like a, a, like a crossroads or a juncture mm-hmm. where you're just looking being like, there's no way I could do both. It was too many hours yeah. to do both. And it was like, do I take that leap and go that route? Or do I stay with work and keep doing freelance and keep figuring it out? And I the leap to go over to the freelance side or to take that one contract, it wasn't a simple answer because it wasn't work I necessarily wanted to be doing. So I didn't quit my job with like all these dream jobs lined Mm -hmm. up. So it wasn't this super clear, like, yes, I'm about to like follow my passion or something and (laughs) do exactly what I want to do. But I did see it as a way out. Like it seemed like it was a good first step anyways and so I really didn't know what would happen after that six to eight months but that is the opportunity that helped me take that if I hadn't had that contract lined up I I don't know when I would have or what opportunity would have uh, come along that would have helped me take the leap but that was definitely the one that was it and that was yeah just through a company I'd worked with before and stayed in really good contact with people yeah and that's so interesting because well it's just so true I think as well of a lot of people that you kind of wait for the the choir of angels <laughs> to point yeah. you in the direction of like this is it everything's going to be good from now on and you just have to step through this doorway but it's it's very often a series of less than ideal <laughs> choices <laughs> that eventually are just that they kind of shove you out the door without any <laughs> kind of ceremony that it and you can just spend your whole life waiting for the perfect time or just a little bit more time to review, a little bit more time to research. And then like a year goes by and another year and you're still wishing. Yeah. And for me, I, I, I do remember having this clear thought of like, Kate, you are already like lining things up so that you could do this. Like, why would you say no to this opportunity? Or like, and then again, I'm like, now as time has passed, I'm like, well, I'm sure some other things would have come along, but I don't know that for sure. And I I don't know what they would have been or, or whatever. And we just never know. Like, that's it's something I've sort of realized is about the way I live is like now is I don't know that decisions I'm making are always going to be like good or or feel like the right one always but um if it feels exciting enough to try it like then I will do it Mm, yeah I yeah there is something to be said for enoughness and that it Mm. can be a point to get to the the thing that's a bit better and then the thing that's a bit better than that yeah interesting Mm. all these (laughs) and especially I guess for you having come from this background of like you work for the government and get a pension and sort of similarly to me when I was growing up the people who were self-employed were like some kid at school's dad who had an IT company that was like really small (laughs) or like you know whatever that was what self-employment was but and it wasn't just something that an individual could do on their own so I think that taking the little smaller steps are sometimes what's necessary just to get your own head around yourself being the person who can do this oh yeah I also think that um, in a lot of ways they can be the safer first steps and that that's okay like if you don't need to take the huge scary leap into the unknown like what what feels like a step that you could take. Um, it's okay. like it's absolutely okay to start with that. I even think about that with uh, things like travel. Like I'm like I did not start just like backpacking. That was <laughs> not how I got into travel. Um, it was very slow. <laughs> like took years of all kinds of like smaller trips before I finally was like, okay, I'm gonna go away for maybe a month or two months. Like it took a long time for me to get comfortable with that. So. Uh, yeah, similar to to work. Like I don't, I don't think you have to take 
the big ones. You can take the safer steps. Mm. And, and, and if the safer step means that you get to take one at all, like what? Yeah. How, how great is that? Mm. Because it can kind of set a precedent as well. I think if you hadn't, if you, with that contract, if it's like, well, it's not the perfect dream, so I'm not going to take it. That sets a precedent mm-hmm. of I'm not going to take any chance. And, right. and there's a lesson to yourself of no we're not ta- we're not taking chances here <laughs> and then you kind of get closed off to yeah as you say taking any step at all I like that you are reflecting this back to me this is really <laughs> about. I'm like wow my journey has been interesting with work <laughs> yeah. well and so and what's kind of interesting is listening and, and having this conversation about you know it's not ideal just taking little steps that just take you somewhere and how you described where you're at now is it's sort of like I don't know correct me if I'm wrong but I'm not getting the feeling of you of like I've had this vision of what I'm aiming for and I've been really intentional about building every step of the way to get there and now I'm in this vision of what I wanted my life to be like. It kind of feels like you're sort of, oh, I found myself here and it's great for now, but it might not be great for the future. But I don't know, am I misunderstanding you? (laughs) No, oh my gosh. I would say you're making me feel so seen in a way that um, sometimes I feel just some people don't because I think that's exactly right I think that well I know that I never imagined I would be an author let alone have written more than one book (laughs) that wasn't the goal ever like when I started my blog I never thought I'm gonna write my blog so that I get a book deal and some writers do that and some writers you know are um, incredibly focused and dedicated on Uh, their freelancing careers and like what they hope that that leads to. And I really wrote for myself, especially in the early days. My blog was literally just um, on Sundays, I would uh, upload the amount of money I had spent all week and on what. Like I was literally tracking my money the way that you would track uh, if you were training for something like training for a marathon and you were tracking your mileage Mm -hmm. or like something like that. I just I was just tracking numbers. So it was not, there was no thought of later in life, I'm going to write books. I mean, of course, as a kid, I I can look back and say things like, as a kid, I loved reading. And um, that was probably my only hobby, really, (laughs) was that and maybe swimming and biking a little bit. (laughs) That is what I did. I read books all the time. I lived at the library. It was such a treat if I got to buy a book. And so I'm like, I, in in a way, it makes so much sense, but I, it was not the goal. It was not like the original intention at all. And I think that I look at a lot of things like just like living in a way where when opportunities come, I sort of start to weigh, weigh the costs or weigh the decision of, you know, what are the different things that this could lead to? Does it feel good? Does it feel like something that's worth trying? And sometimes that's yes, sometimes that's no. Um, with, but with work stuff, I mean, there's definitely stuff I've said no to along the way, mm. which has all all been part of it. But the yes stuff is stuff I could not have dreamt of. I could not have dreamt of like being an author, not not quite in this way. So I'm asking this because I'm just so interested. Mm. Do you like set goals for your like at the beginning of the year? Do you think right this is what I want to do this year, or at, in quarters, or or forever, or whatever? Or do you? like to see what happens how does how do you do that (laughs) yeah so I would say that I probably start every year like now with a couple of ideas of what I'd like the year to include or look like so I mean this year's a great example because it didn't go to plan (laughs) but but my original thoughts for this year was that I was going to finish um, like finish writing and editing and everything the book and then uh, in April I was supposed to fly back over to the UK And the plan was to stay until at least the end of July, but maybe longer. And so I didn't have a ton of set plans. Like I had booked my flight. I had booked my first Airbnb, like kind of a longer stay somewhere. And I had a few things like lined up, but I didn't have a ton of plans. It was just sort of, I'll I'll work for a bit. Then I'm going to go to the UK uh, where I'll still do work things, but just elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And, and for the fall, it was just like, I know that 
I'll be in book launch mode, kind of the promotional period of things. So I could sort of, I guess, see like a few chunks of what the year would look like. I didn't really have, I guess, like set goals Mm. for the year. Like on top of that, it was just sort of, this is how I'll structure or life will likely be structured. But yeah, not like major goals. I Something I've been learning more, especially in doing interviews, is I think that I'm more focused on process than on outcome. Right. Uh, meaning that, and, and even in, in terms of sort of setting goals, like I'm not interested in saying, just as an example, I'm going to walk whatever the thing is, 10,000 steps a day, whatever that mm-hmm. you know a- average thing is. But instead, I would love to say something like, I would like to be going for a walk, if not every day, like, you know, uh, more often, like, I want to be someone who walks often. Yeah. And, and like, just thinking about like, what that gives me how that it feels when I do go walking, just remembering that, like, sort of being able to see and feel that and not in like a super, like a spirit, not a spiritual way, just kind of like, yeah, like, I know what walking feels like for me, I know what it adds to my life. So I want to be someone who walks more. And, and so it's more process rather than like, yeah, I've got to do it every single day and or I've got to walk a, got to walk a 5k every day or whatever it adds up to. Mm. And those feel like not supportive for me. Mm. But. Yeah, no, I, I, I get what you're saying. And because that's something, the reason I'm asking these questions is because my default is like, I want to plan every single thing mm. in my whole life. Um, and something that I've worked on this year a lot was coming to the realization that I was just kind of waiting for the point at which I could enjoy my life when everything was all ticked off and so my little mantra is towards and within so everything I do I'm working towards something but I'm also working within it so towards joy but also within joy so finding ways to experience it every day as well as that thing or that experience or that life or that freedom or whatever that's in in the future and it sounds like you are just a very within <laughs> like you are you're really the way that the things that you want to have and the way that you want to live your life is experienced in the here and now rather than something that you're gonna wait to have and I guess that's probably a minimalism thing as well right like if you don't yeah. want to buy a load of stuff like <laughs> there's, no. there's not a whole lot of stuff to wait for <laughs> Yeah, it um I guess I did write this in the book a few times too. The new one is experience over outcome always. Mm. And that yeah, that just feels very true. That that like so too I love your mantra and I would say that if you asked me about goal setting, I guess mine would be about that. It is about the experience, not the outcome. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And it makes sense as well because something that I jotted down from the book was that you you have a whole section on doing just enough research and kind of not overly planning something and to leave room for it to to experience it as it's unraveling so because the extended metaphor in the book and I love an extended metaphor um, (laughs) is about planning hikes and you kind of do just enough to make sure you're not gonna like die on the hike but (laughs) and know where you're going roughly but you don't look at the the minutiae so so you can experience it on the route and the same is true for like making a change in your life don't kind of think I have to hit this 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 and this and I have to know this and I have to know that just let it unfold and that sounds like absolutely what you do (laughs) well and I will also say it is not what I used to do so the clearest example that came to me as as you were saying that is of like my first few um, longer trips where I went solo I planned not everything I would do every day but like I was very busy and on the move all the time and would travel with like these long sort of lists of everything I wanted to see and do and cross off. And that was exhausting. And the only thing that I really got out of those was to be able to say that I sit like saw or did or like what, yeah, cross those things off the list. Mm. But I, I wasn't always really there. It's like, imagine just being at a tourist attraction and you just kind of see the things and then you leave but how different is it when it's like randomly just being like yeah today I am going to go to a tourist attraction like I really want to and that's the only thing I'm going to do today Mm. rather than being like and then I'm going to do this and then I'm going to eat at this place and then I'm going to cross this off the other list Mm. (laughs) so yeah that is 
yeah, that is the way yeah. I live, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and I think uh, you can kind of see that in people in the on the business side of things. A, a lot there's a lot of talk around kind of income goals and and empowerment around that which i don't think is necessarily a bad thing but mm-hmm. i do feel like when you see people like just want to get to 100k or whatever it is it's like but then what yes what happened how how is your life different after that like what's it actually for because i can just imagine people like if your your singular focus has been to make 100k what do you do the next day when you wake up in the morning? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like what? Yes. what's left? So I think it is important to, A, to have a what, what's it for, for anything that you want to achieve, but also just to leave that little bit of room for, as they used to say on Being Boss, the room for the unexpected extra that you can't mm. even imagine to allow. Because I think if you just plan everything out so tightly, there's no room for the surprises that you've experienced like getting two book deals (laughs) yeah no it's so true the income one too it makes me think of all goals really like when we say I want to like run three days a week or go to the gym four days a week or whatever all those things I'm going to write every single morning when it's so tightly wound up in a number like if you can't quite hit it then you keep feeling like you're failing yeah so if one year you only made $98,000, which hello is a ton of money. (laughs) Like if you only made that somehow you would feel like you didn't meet your goal. And to me, I'm like, that's, uh, yeah, like there's no room for celebration then of just like, wow, I worked like all my efforts went into um, having like more than enough money and how grateful am I Mm. like, but instead we still just look at like what we haven't done. Yeah. Agreed. (laughs) So what I wanted to to zoom in a little bit on is because I'm just kind of like in the nicest possible way, like, what do you do all day? (laughs) Because as you mentioned, for the last two years at least, all your income has been from books. And I think I, I was also just really interested to talk to you about it from the point of view of a very different way of being self employed and just to demonstrate that things outside of what people's Instagram ads tell you is possible. So I'd just be really interested to know the kind of day-to-day, maybe slightly boring, tedious detail of what it's like to be self-employed in your existence and yeah, like what you do every day and how the income flows and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So gosh, let's talk about money first. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, Only because I think that um, it's interesting. And it's also something that I think can shed some perspective or like give people a look at like, that this may or may not work for some people. Like some people literally may not be able to handle this. Like some people might be fine with this, but some people might not is I basically only get paid a few times a year in, and yes, like in, uh, larger sums of money in terms of like, I, I make enough to live off of, but I only get paid times if paid a few times a year, which is very interesting as a budgeting exercise. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So something I've really learned about that phase of self-employment that that then I think can be passed down um, to anyone is like, whereas what we used to see online a lot was sort of here's my monthly income goal, like here's how much I would like to earn monthly. Something I've had to learn is how to deal with an annual budget instead. And so even though we were talking about the, you know, you've set this goal of 100K, it doesn't have to be big (laughs) numbers, but I do believe that in self-employment, month to month can keep you in kind of a smaller mindset or like a a more scarcity mindset around money. And if instead you can get to a place where you understand um, even just the livable or like livable plus some fun money uh, if you can under or get to a place where you're earning your annual amount that you would need, I think that that's really helpful. You still need to practice your budgeting. <laughs> like, I, I still need to look at my numbers every month and make sure that I'm, you know, not somehow drastically overspending or, or if I have extra money, like, yeah. So there's still stuff to manage on a monthly basis, but I, yeah, I only get paid a few times a year, which is, very interesting and it's interesting because you might get a big paycheck you're like whoa I have so much money you're like and it has to last me for many months (laughs) like 
So it's not like you just got a huge payday and you can go uh, do a bunch of fun things with it. Like I have to actually like save it or allocate it where it needs to go, um, especially with taxes and, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So, so that's that side of things. Day to day, I would say because of the way that books go, it it is different in different seasons. So right now, um, I'm working a lot more than I usually do in an administrative kind of way. So there are a lot more emails. <laughs> There's mm-hmm. a lot more talking to people on Instagram, um, just connecting with people like writing articles or things like that, like the publicists say, like, you know, can you write this article for this publication? So there's a a lot of sort of smaller tasks right now, but they really, like the days are very full. And then like book writing, well, it was a bit different before COVID (laughs) (laughs) because I honestly used to uh, leave the house. Even when I lived alone, I would leave the house most days and go and work at a coffee shop for the morning. Um, and I'm, I'm for me personally, I definitely do my best writing in the morning. I'm kind of not useless in the afternoon, but the afternoons I find I'll do more like reading or listening to podcasts and maybe brainstorming. Like I might take some notes or get an idea and just start to jot things down. But um, I do my best writing in the morning. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's a that's a book the book side of things looks like. Mm-hmm. And then there is sort of a period in between where you submit it for for say edits or something, and you're just kind of waiting. And to be honest, I take that or I have so far. I kind of take that period of time as like I'm just gonna read a lot <laughs> and like hang, hang out. It's like that is sort of your. Or for me, it's like my vacation portion of the year of like, okay, like the big stuff is done. I know it's in my editor's hands, let's say for like three to four weeks. I'm going to take some downtime here. Because also you, I, at least for me, I cannot be creative, at least with writing every single day. Mm. Uh, this doesn't work for me. So I find like big projects, not that I burn out on writing, but I, I need a bit of a pause after yeah I'm kind of like that as well because you see people be like oh you just write every day and build the habit and stuff like, <laughs> like but I can't imagine like but when as soon as somebody tells me I have to do something every day I immediately don't want to do it because I like to have a just to, to feel like I've got a few days off from that thing so whether, whatever it is so when I write courses and stuff I'll only do it like one or two days a week even if the deadline is pressing because it just feels too depressing to have to do it every single day yeah I think like I wrote well yeah I wrote like two-thirds of the first draft of this book when I was in Wales last year and I would say I wrote like four to five mornings a week probably but I was also totally like living in solitude I was in a place (laughs) I had no friends (laughs) it was a a bit of a different experience but um yeah I, I could not sit down and work every single day and even right now, I'm I'm trying to be really good and, and set like really healthy boundaries around sort of the times that I'm working. Like, and I don't, oh, I will say this, I don't typically work Monday to Friday. Um, that's a, the thing I have found very early on in self-employment was that you can take days off whenever you want. Yeah. <laughs> and, Radical. Uh, <laughs> wild. It's something that people really struggle with that like oh I'm not allowed to do what I want (laughs) yes it took a lot like I I worked so much in the first like six to eight months of self-employment where even taking a single day off felt very scary to me I had this like real feeling if I said no or if I didn't reply immediately like that somehow everything was going to dry up and disappear and it truly took like one friend who who she is a nurse and so she gets weekdays off um, and her just saying like why don't we just pencil in on like Tuesdays that we go do something outside and I was still like I can't do that <laughs> but but that has become the norm and I think also as time goes on in self-employment you recognize that weekends are when everybody else is out mm. and you're like this is actually a great time to work <laughs> I know nobody emails you <laughs> yes I feel like this is a great time to send emails great time to get things done nobody's gonna bug me and then I can avoid all the crowds during the week um so it's it's really yeah so I think right now though I'm in a 
phase of working Monday to Friday and taking weekends off. And mm. that feels okay. And, and it's also, this will be a season and it'll probably last until, you know, end of the year. And then I don't know what 2021 will hold. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what 2021 will hold? <laughs> Something that's coming to mind, actually, in terms of both living between paychecks that are very far apart. Um, and then I was also thinking about the gap between the year of less coming out and getting the deal for Adventures in Opting Out. And this perhaps ties into the section in the book about, you know, thinking about the worst case scenario and scarcity mindset and that kind of thing of how you deal with uncertainty. Because I can imagine it would be easy between getting your checks to think, oh my God, next one, that's not going to be a novel. What if if I've not sold enough books or, or whatever? How is that something that you think you experience, and how do you kind of deal with that? Or have I just planted a seed that wasn't there? You are speaking my language right now. I wasn't worried for 2020. I felt very fortunate for that. Like for the situation that we've been in this year, I could look and say, I know what my income is around going to be for 2020. It did give me a bit of a sense, the pandemic is with everyone of like, I don't want to be spending a lot because I don't know what my income is going to look like next year. And so if I need this money to carry in to 2021, then I need to be a bit more careful with it. But it, yeah, I think like that was a concern between the year of less and then actually getting the book deal for adventures was, will anyone even want this book? Like, (laughs) will anyone even be interested in it, think it's a good idea or not? And so getting that book deal was helpful because then I could, like the way book advances work is they're typically paid out over like 18 to 24 months. So I knew that I would get some money spread out over that period of time. Um, But yeah, I'm like, because the book just came out, I just got my last payment Mm. for it. And so... Um, I mean, I'm in the royalties with the year of less, so I do get two paychecks a year from that, but I, I don't know what those look like <laughs> going forward. And I don't know how long it'll take to out earn this advance and, and if, or ever be in the royalties with this one. So yeah, so I, it is on my mind and especially for next year, just thinking like, do I want to write another book? Do I want to write nonfiction? Do I want to play around with other things? Like, um, I, I don't know. So I'm not worried yet. I would just say I'm definitely holding my money a little bit tighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting to me because I always feel personally, if I have a little wobble or, or something like that, I feel like I've got, I can pull something out of the bag if I have mm-hmm. to, to, to make it work. Like I can kind of sell one-to-one calls or I can do like a paid workshop or, or, you know, something. I can always pull something out if I have to, but I guess I guess you do have that option, but it's just, it's probably not worth it to you. You'd rather stay well, your course. Kind of though, but like what's interesting is that, or, or maybe it'll be obvious once I say this, I don't know, maybe it won't be shocking, but... Um, <laughs> Something that feels really important to me with self-employment is that my ego not be attached to being self-employed. Right. So it feels really important to me that like if I needed money that I'm not like too worried or proud or or yeah, like concerned what people would think or anything like that like if I got a job. Mm. And again, I don't like the pandemic definitely makes that one a little bit scary because it's not exactly like there's an abundance of those to go around. But that I I keep in my pocket of like, I will never be too proud to like work anywhere. I will never be too proud to do that. If I need money, I need money. Mm. So it feels important for me to know that. Um, I'm also like always open to exploring different ways to make money I do have really clear boundaries on things that I wouldn't do or at least right now um but yeah but I I would be open to it obviously being other than just books and and especially with things like freelance I actually literally just got an email yesterday from a site that I used to write for that they're looking for some ideas and when I just read what they're looking for I'm like oh I have an idea I think I'll pitch them and Mm -hmm. then I was kind of like that's kind of cool like just to just do something different like and I don't I don't know if it'll get picked up but I can throw the pitch out and see what happens yeah and I think that's really important for two reasons one is that we get we feel like we're on this kind of scale 
that we're moving up towards a certain view of success and to move back down it is an Mm. inherent failure but also that once you make a decision you can't undo it I think there are two things that kind of really sit in our heads as unquestioned beliefs and actually (laughs) they don't need to be there because yeah you can make a decision to be self-employed and then it doesn't work and then you make the decision not to be (laughs) and that doesn't have to be a big kind of I don't know razzmatazz about that yeah well I think there's probably just not enough stories of that shared so that we know that that is also possible like I know a few people like actually my friend Kayla like I mentioned early on she sort of planted the seed that she was going to go back to freelance Mm. Um, Kayla also I will say like quit right around the same time as me and has also been self-employed still this whole time but we, yeah, like just have conversations constantly of like, what does that look like? Does it still feel good? And yeah, I know a few people in the personal finance space, like old personal finance bloggers who, you know, quit and did their website thing for a period of time. And then one day they were just like, this is a lot of work. And <laughs> it would actually be less work for me to have a job. and I could have more free time mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So So they went back to jobs and I'm like, it's not going back to a job. It's like exactly like you said, you just make a different choice. Like this is a choice for now and, and later you can make a different choice if you need to. One thing that I did want to talk to you a little bit about, given that here we are on a marketing podcast. Mm. Um, and when I first emailed you about coming on the show and I sort of said, I don't know how it fits in your promotional plan. And you were like, oh, I'm a promotional plan. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and ov- obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but it is obvious. You have kind of opted out a lot of the must do social media stuff and you stop blogging and you still have a newsletter right I do have a news yeah. I don't write very often don't write very do often a very irregular inconsistent newsletter yeah. <laughs> um, so and I think I really wanted to talk to you about this because these are the things that people are like I have to do them I have to do them all or I'm gonna fail um so a kind of two-part question was how what was the process like of letting go of all of these activities was it a complete not doing this anymore or more of a gradual thing and then because obviously you do still have an audience in because you're able to sell books um what what kind of do you do what do you hone in on and what works for you yeah okay so the first answer is I used to do not all of the things but many of the things and um it was a very slow and gradual release. So I'm trying to think of even like, so let's say even in the beginning, obviously I had my blog. I was on Twitter a lot. Twitter was huge for blogging, like, you know, 2010 Mm. to 2016. Um, So I was on Twitter a lot and then on Instagram as well. And I had a Facebook page and I feel like there was a period of time where I was using it regularly, but well, I was basically just posting my blog post to it mm-hmm. and may- maybe the occasional other article that I saw and thought people would like. Um, so the first thing to go was Facebook and that was more of a, I don't want this for personal reasons. Like I didn't want my personal profile anymore. Right. And, and also even though it got some engagement and everything on there, I just felt like if I'm not enjoying spending time here, I'm not really giving people an experience. Yeah. Um, and so that one, that was, Facebook, I will say, was like the pretty easy one to let go of. What I don't know that my first publisher loved is that I literally got rid of it like, <laughs> like I think like two weeks before my first <laughs> book came out. And then I was like, Twitter and Instagram only. And they're like, well, okay. <laughs> that wasn't quite what we were expecting. <laughs> yeah. So... But again, I just, I don't know, I really knew there was something at the beginning of 2018 where I was like, I am done with Facebook. <laughs> and I will, and that, that's one that, yeah, it was pretty easy to give up. And I, I will never go back to it. Like, there's no part of me that ever feels like I'm missing out by not having it. Twitter was harder. Twitter, in just in terms of, it was harder to let go of something being like, I have spent like a lot of time here and mm. I've made interesting connections and had good conversations. And, and of course, yes, it is also then a marketing tool, but Twitter for me, and I'm sure for a lot of people, but everyone's experience is a little different, but it, for me really shifted. I noticed that I felt like it was just a place where people were taught, like 
talking about their own things, but no one was really talking to each other anymore. So it wasn't a conversation. And then I thought, why would I go here to just like post things and never talk to anyone? So that one, I really only stopped, like fully stopped using last summer. I hadn't really been using it for like the first half of 2019, but it just kind of popped on here and there. And I don't know, but I, I definitely did things like in slow steps, actually, as we've talked about it, it's like, I just kind of deactivated it for a little <laughs> while. And then I would pop back in and be like, should I get back on? Like, what's going on over here? And kind of poke around and just see what it was like. Or maybe I'd post something and see what happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, just kind of experimented with it and and really just felt like the experience was not, I wasn't enjoying it. And so I didn't want to create, I don't know, content in a, in a place that I wasn't even enjoying hanging out myself. And, but I also got rid of the blog last summer. And that is a decision that now I, I Actually, no, like I wouldn't change it, but I, I don't know. I don't know how you or like other people are feeling. I really miss, like I'm really nostalgic for old school blogging. (laughs) Yeah. Like I just, I wish that the internet could feel like that. And I I don't know that it can. I think even if we all tried and we all like started doing it, I don't know that it would feel like that again, but I miss that. I miss that feeling of like, we're all just kind of like, sharing things and going on and like checking each other out and chatting with each other and cheering each other on and learning about each other just sharing like basic human stories Mm. not like massive content always yeah reading an article Uh, and then not getting a retargeting ad after you've read it (laughs) yes yes so I have been like nostalgic for that I still don't see myself like starting up my blog but I don't know like maybe I'll post the occasional thing I don't know (laughs) (laughs) But, no um, plans just let it no. just let it happen <laughs> yeah yeah we'll see what happens but uh instagram did become the place for me that i like showing up like i genuinely still enjoy it it does not feel like work i don't sit and like plot out my next 12 posts or anything mm-hmm. like that like i just do go on typically to share something personal of course i've had to um share a few more posts like around book launch and stuff like that but um yeah, I'm like, it just still feels like a place that you can share some stuff. Some people engage, maybe it's not always amazing, but some people will engage, some people will talk to you and you get to connect with people you wouldn't have in, in other ways. So I don't know, that one still feels good to me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, very slow and gradual. But the book launch, like actual, <laughs> like what I'm actually doing for this one. So I will say like, at the start of the year, I knew that I needed this period to be different than the launch of the year of less because my mental health just like suffered so severely during that that and I I was ignoring it all and just trying to push through and telling myself I could take time off soon and um I just I think also really had a lot of feelings of like I wasn't almost like I wasn't worthy of the book deal so how dare I say no to anything Mm. that comes as a result so I said yes to everything like uh, well maybe within reason but almost everything I said yes to and I did something like 110 interviews oh like in the first four, four months or something and oh. just yeah that makes exactly. me shut up <laughs> yes exactly and like there were of course days off from interviews but then there were days to Kate where I had like six interviews in a single day oh. and I'm like uh, was I even a human at the end? Of, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, and so I was, I suffered so badly at the end and it was really hard for me to come back from it. So I, I knew it had to be different. Um, I knew that even if things were slower at the start, like I just trusted that the book would find its audience. Mm-hmm. And so of course we, we could do some reach out and like, um, like with both experiences, like with both book launches, there's like a publicist on the team who, you know, sends out things and tries to get you on certain places or whatever. And so that's on them. That's not really, I don't even really have a say in it. I just sort of, when they send it to me and say like, do you want to do this? I can say yay or nay. But on my end, I knew that emails that came to me, I had to be a bit pickier about mm-hmm. and that I needed more spaciousness, that weekends off were going to be the key and that, yeah, even if it had like a slower start in any way that the year of less also did. The year of less did not like boom out as like some bestseller. 
it like found its audience. It's found its people. And, you know, as people read it and took whatever they needed from it, they then shared that and it, it kind of just did its own thing. And I just was like, I have to just trust that that's going to work. So like very tactical things, of course, I, you know, sent a couple newsletters and I've posted some things to Instagram or whatever, but I, I haven't done really anything different. The one thing that I um, have done with both is I've asked my publisher to send me like a couple boxes of copies that I will then send out to some friends. But that and like on a marketing side of things, like there's a piece around it where it just feels like nice if you can give it to your friend rather than your friends. all Like, of course, your friends mm-hmm. just want to support you. But like, it's nice when you can send copies to friends. But there is a word of mouth marketing in that too. And again, that's way slower. Mm. Like that's w- a way slower strategy than, I don't know, getting on some like massive number one podcast or like yeah. whatever. But I always think with books as well, you get the, them sort of say, it's an instant bestseller and all that kind of thing. But to me, I'm like, that says more about the PR team than it does about the quality of the book. I'm always much more interested in books that slowly grow traction because that is growing from friends telling each other things and I think that's the same not just for books but for a lot of things a lot (laughs) of things yeah even if you're talking about things like courses if it sells out the second time that's interesting because it means the people who did it the first time haven't warned everybody they know of (laughs) so yeah yeah interesting (laughs) yeah so I'm like it's I don't also like with like immediate bestsellers uh they're typically also like people who have massive audiences Mm -hmm. the the thing that's so interesting to learn about publishing and like sort of how the bestseller lists work is like first of all the number of copies that need to sell is not like just a set number so it's not immediately just like oh, if you sell 10,000 copies, you're in, like in a week, then you're in, you're on the list. It is. It does not work that way. It is based off of all the other books that mm-hmm. are selling a lot of books that week. So if you are going up against, I don't know, like Michelle well, Obama. <laughs> well, and I was going to say like in November, Barack Obama has a book coming mm. out. And if you're going up against that, like if, unless you are someone who- You're definitely not going to be number one that week. <laughs> anywhere near any list right like it's just like you have to be a massive like household name to hit most of the lists and and I think especially with social media like the the number of copies of things that are selling is growing even faster so one of the weirdest things in the pandemic is that book sales are actually up like bookstores are doing better than ever which Mm. is amazing um but it's yeah but then I you have to think there's a lot of the same books that are sold over and over again so yeah, I just was like, like, let's release expectations. It's never going to be a bestseller like in week one. That's just <laughs> not going to happen. Um, and the book will just do what it's going to do. And with this one, especially, I'm I'm really excited about like seeing where it goes, because with the year of less, I think it was such a deeply personal and almost like in some ways for me kind of I think what I would have said early on is that it was cathartic to write about some of those things. But actually, I'm like. I should have done some therapy before writing some of that (laughs) because like there was so much that I shared that I had not actually done any therapy on yet, which I think even more so is like why I was afraid that it was like out in the world. And this book feels so different because I'm like, it's, it's my story, but there's a bunch of other people in it as well. And it's, it's just kind of insight and guidance and like feel kind of like, I, I was just like, I wanted to feel like you're just talking to someone. Like you just have someone in your back pocket who you're talking to about these things Mm. And so I'm so curious because opting out can be different in so many different ways. Like, what are people going to take away from it? What are the opt outs that are going to happen as a result of the book? And we'll never know that or it'll take time for us Mm. to figure out what that is. Mm. So, yeah, and I think I can imagine this one being a slow burn because I think with the year of less, it's kind of the elevator pitch is quite clear. You can kind of see it in a bookshop and be like, yes, no. Whereas Mm. Adventures in Opting Out, it is it's less of a clear in the bookshop this is the book that I need. You, ah. It's one that really needs to be recommended to you, I think, because it's kind of like, it's what? Opting what? Um, and especially, and this is kind of, I think for self-help in general, but the feeling of what people 
want isn't always what they need and so they're not going to always pick up the book that they need because they think what they need is something that they want but yeah that's like a whole other train of thought (laughs) no I'm like I'm gonna take note of that because that's a helpful one for even me to think about so I'm I'm just glad that you said that okay good (laughs) (laughs) so as you just mentioned one thing that I do want to quickly talk to you about in adventures there are a lot of different people in there and it's like my friend so-and-so my friend so-and-so <laughs> and one thing that I am asked actually quite a lot is how can people make friends that get it so when they're starting mm-hmm. a business or they're in a business and nobody in their life really gets what they're doing they want to know how to find those friends and I'm never really have the answer because I'm basically afraid of humans um so that was something that i wanted to ask for myself it's like well, how do you make friends but uh, how but, but have you like how do we make friends yeah. <laughs> how yeah. have you kind of collected all these people along the way and yeah what advice do you have for people listening who are like want to make friends <laughs> yeah no no so i think um there are a couple ways to answer because there's like we can talk about some like tangible stuff like some some actual ways that I've met people and I think that actually starting by talking about maybe like what a definition of a friendship is or what friendship looks like for me and why I would call people my friend uh, that maybe some people wouldn't define it in that way Um, that that might be helpful too I think that something I've only like recently only in the past few years have I really sort of like dug into this a little bit to understand it but a big thing for me is that I've noticed like the people I call friends are typically the people who we do not have to speak often in order for us to be friends so meaning that I have no expectations of we are going to talk every day or even every week like if I text you that you have to reply right away I'm pretty secure with friends in that way in terms of like I trust that we will connect when the time is right and that I as long as like we can release the expectations that like it's supposed to look a certain way that like we can always just come back and pick up where we left off some of that has come from a lot of like moving around and traveling I was thinking about this too recently that I also grew up in a way where I moved a lot when I was young so my mom and I it was just us for a long time and we honestly moved every like two months to one year and so I always was like the new kid in school had to make new friends and I'm not friends with anyone who I knew like in I don't know like when I was like five but (laughs) I am friends still and like really good friends right now with um, some people that I went to so primary school with so that I knew when we were age 11 12 like we are still good friends but that has also come from this place of you know we've lived apart And that's been okay because whenever we see each other, we're just picking back up. So I think that that is one of the things that I I think like helps me or that, I don't know. And again, like not every friendship looks like that. Like I, I have a really close friend, Emma, we talk every day. Like you would think we're a married couple. So, (laughs) but I'm like, I could not have like 20 Emmas. So I could not have 20 friendships that looked like that. (laughs) Mm. So that to me is like, I don't know. I also look at the boundaries piece of like, there are just friends that I talk to about this kind of stuff. Like if I had money questions or anything, I'd probably actually reach out to my friend Kate in Toronto. Or, you know, if I wanted to talk about books, there are certain friends I would probably reach out to first or podcast recommendations or music recommendations, like connecting with people on the topics that we connect on and that a friendship doesn't have to be all encompassing. Like We don't have to infiltrate sort of every layer of each other's lives. Mm. And yeah, and so I'm like, I still feel like I'm still sort of gathering what all this is to me. But I just think that all my friendships are very different. And yeah, expectations, I would say around like what it looks like are low. And that I'm just pretty open with like, whatever it's supposed to be is, is good. And but also like, you know, if something bad happened, or we need to talk about something that I would want to be friends with people who could have conversations, but like day to day life. Yeah. Also, because I, in a way, I've realized, like, I ask a lot of my friends by being okay with the fact that I'm gone a lot. Mm. Like, not ask a lot of them, but like, I I need that freedom from them. And so it's only up to me to then 
Like it's only right for me then to give that back to them because I, I'm not here most of the time. This year of being home is not normal for <laughs> yeah. me. And they all know like at some point I will leave again. And so this is a really nice year that we're going to spend some, you know, distance time together, but it won't last forever. And yeah, but like tangible stuff about meeting people, because you're right. Like, like I said, I do, of course, have some friends that I've met through or that I've kept from, you know, when I was younger. But the majority of the people I know now are either from jobs that I had or that I've met through blogging and writing and uh, all of that. And so... I think that trying to think of like the most tangible way to say some of this, like finding other content creators who are like at about the same level. And by that mean, meaning maybe like, you know, you've started around the same time you can find, I, I just think like you can find them, whether they are commenting on other people's stuff, whether one person has shared one of their articles and like taking the time to take an interest in someone. So if you're following them, actually engaging with them. And also if you, there's something that you really want to just send a private message about, like, Hey, like you're really interested in this. So am I, have you read this book? Have you done this? And like just starting to slowly build um, communication with other people who are where you're at. That's definitely what I did when I was in the personal finance space. There were, yeah, like a lot of people have just, we're kind of all doing this at the same time. We might as well talk about it. So I think there's probably also <laughs> probably also a layer of like community over competition. And also I think it's interesting to like find people who are doing other things. So you might both be content creators, but maybe someone's a writer and someone's an illustrator or something like that. And just like, I don't know, following people, but actually engaging with them is where it's where things have come from for me is like, yeah. And also there's another piece that I want to, it's saying yes. Mm -hmm. I've said yes to hanging out with people a lot of times when the, like the first time was scary. <laughs> like the, the first yes was scary of someone just saying like, do you want to go for coffee or do you want to do this? I'm like, I don't know. Do I? Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know this person. But you know, if you've had a few conversations online or just kind of assess like based on what they're sharing online or whatever and getting to a place where it feels like saying yes is great I think yeah like meeting for a coffee or a Skype or whatever that looks like and I think if you can embrace like those first conversations as though there's someone that you already are friends with I say this as someone who's always the nervous one or I think I'm always the nervous one is like I remember reading this quote in a book actually that I bought in England last year or the year before and it was a quote and it said, if you like don't see anyone or don't put anyone on a pedestal, like don't don't look at them or think of them as though they're above you or below you. Instead, um, just kind of imagine that you are like walking, I don't know if it was like all along the same path or just like at the same level in some way. Mm -hmm. And if you can take your walls down, maybe they will too. And that really resonated for me of just why would you not act like they're already a good person? And someone that you're comfortable around mm. and if you can do that like maybe if, and then and then it just, just like immediately creates openness for open dialogue honesty and just seeing what kind of connections can come from there mm. yeah that was a lot <laughs> <laughs> well there's obviously a lot to say about it <laughs> it's more complicated I, than we think <laughs> i think like that is i don't know i don't do a lot of dating <laughs> like <laughs> i don't yeah, I just don't date much in general, but I feel like if I can be a good friend, like if I can have solid friendships, then I can do that mm. later. Like I can date and stuff later. Mm. Good. So I have one last question to ask you, which is how do you grow a soul in your work and life? Mm. I would say by being... Well, I have two thoughts. I like by being <laughs> open, um, but making decisions that feel right for you. Because I think if something feels wrong and you do it anyways or, or try to push your way through it, it ends up taking you down just a harder path. It doesn't have to be wrong, but a harder one. And if you can get to a place where it does feel like the right choice, yeah, you can. Mm. Do, it, it's a, a little more open or a little more, a little easier. 
Yeah. And you know what? That, that feels like the summary of, of everything that we talked about earlier. It's like, yeah, be open, but make the right decisions for you. Good. <laughs> we could have done this in two minutes. <laughs> but then there would be no context, Kate. <laughs> I've been I've been like remembering that I'm terrible at giving the short succinct answers. <laughs> I, have, I have my publicist ask me for a pitch and she's like just a paragraph and I wrote her four. <laughs> I was like honestly I'm gonna have to defer to you to edit this down. <laughs> I'm like I just can't. <laughs> I have too much to say. <laughs> so where can people come and find you and become your friend maybe and also uh where can they come and find the books yeah okay so uh well i'm on instagram it is probably the only place you will find (laughs) yep maybe i'll send like two more newsletters this year (laughs) but that's about it so i will be on instagram and my uh handle is just my name kate flanders and the books gosh i mean in the uk they should both be well the year plus oddly like was kind of hard to find in stores even though it <laughs> sold well there you're like i think most of that was online but i know that the new book i know adventures will be like at waterstones and stuff so that's that's nice that's mm. exciting <laughs> <laughs> well next time well when you are able to come back you'll have to go and get the proof in waterstones and actually see it <laughs> oh my God. Honestly, a dream. It will be a dream. The funniest memory I have was searching for the year of less in bookstores in London. And the only place I found it was in Foils, which is amazing. Yeah, I mean, it was going to be somewhere. (laughs) It was in the religious section. And I was just like, um... I'm just going to move these. (laughs) I'm quite sure that that's where it should be. So to see it anywhere else in Waterstones will be amazing. (laughs) Thanks so much, Kate. Thank you for having me. This is so fun. Any links that we mentioned in this episode will be on my website, which is simpleandseason.com forward slash podcast. And you can find me and Kate on Instagram. I'm at simpleandseason and she is at Kate Flanders. And Kate is C-A-I-T. As always, if you think you have a friend who would really love this episode, then please do send them the link and share where you're listening online too. And until next time, I hope you grow a soul. <laughs>